Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 74. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and pop culture blind spots and sharing our guilty pleasures and must-see movies from the past. past. Yes. That's what we're doing. I never read from the script. (laughs) I always try and say something like this, and it comes out in different ways. Each week, one of us chooses something. The other person is forced to watch it. Or listen to it or whatever. Oh, that's right. Although we've never done that. We've never done audio only. It is shut up and watch That's right. Yeah. So we could do slideshows. We could do Viewmaster reels. Ah, yes. All those indie slideshows that got passed around back in the day. All right. In an effort not to start this over again, let's move along. Okay. It was my turn. It was my churn. It was your that, turn. That's the word choice and turn together. Yes. It's a mashup. It was my turn to choose. You did. You chose. You chose Slippery People. No. No. That's a song by the Talking Heads. We would have to listen to that. Yeah. I chose Ruthless People. Ruthless People. The 1986 comedy starring Danny DeVito and Bette Midler by um, Zucker Abram Zucker. Yes, I I didn't know there were any other movies that were directed with Mul- other than the 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 Matrix sisters. Now there are many brothers and or sister. Yeah, I pairs. guess the Coen brothers do that too. But what those about are the, the only Duffer two. brothers and Stranger Ooh, Things. I forgot. It. Well, yeah, that's TV though, or whatever. There's it lots is. of brothers. Streaming. There are many brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Karamazov brothers? No, they didn't direct films. They didn't direct films. Okay. So, David and Jerry are brothers. Yes. Larry Abrams is our childhood friend. Okay. From Wisconsin, I think. And these are the people who, they had their own slapstick thing, right? Okay. They were huge in the 80s. They did Airplane. Okay. Um, They did Top Secret. They did Naked Gun. Like, that was their whole shtick. The Leslie Nielsen, like, sight gags, and they had the kind of little stock company. So, this one's a little bit different for them. That's what I chose. So I don't know why I didn't see that. I remember the poster from the little convenience store slash place we rented videos. Mr. Kim's, which I think I probably talked about before. Mr. K's. Um, I actually can't picture the um, poster. Yeah. So I don't know what you're talking about. I have to look it up. And then I'd probably go, oh, that. I remember the poster. That and... um, there was another one of a woman falling off a cliff. That was the other one I remember from that that, that time period. That sounds familiar. Yeah. So when did this come out? Like 88? 1986. 86. So, so I would have been pretty young. Either that or the guy just never changed the the posters, which I think is probably the truth. Yeah. Never... So this comes from the era of the Touchstone comedies. This was yeah. one of the, in the heyday of Disney's Touchstone branch. Okay. So this and was one a, of those. It's a Disney movie. Well, their Touchstone division. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, basically a Disney movie. Interesting. Here we are now, and they still own everything. They own even more now. Yeah, they own, Star it. Wars, they own Marvel. it all now. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know why I didn't see that. I mean, like, I've seen other Bette Midler things. I've seen lots of Danny DeVito stuff. Like, all sorts of Danny DeVito stuff. So, But I don't know why I didn't see this. Probably because it's not appropriate for a five-year-old. I would guess. I think that's the main reason you didn't see it. <laughs> but I also want to say that 
I mean, maybe I just don't hang out in, in the right crowd, mm. but I think this movie's kind of been forgotten. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't think I've thought of it. Yeah. In 25 years. And when I was just racking my brains for something different to throw into the mix, I often go back to the 80s when I know you were a kid and I know you have lots of a fair number of blind spots and things yeah. where I think I've seen things that you might not have seen. Pretty much any major film from the 80s. And I also wanted to go, I wanted to veer away <laughs> from Dave Shows Ashley, the hallmarks of cinema, okay. to something a little like lighter and more on the guilty pleasure kind of Yeah, it, it definitely is that, yeah. So I wouldn't say this is exactly a guilty pleasure because it's not something that I've watched and rewatched or like particularly consider a comfort movie. Like I've seen it probably, I saw it when it came out in the theater. Yeah. And then I probably saw it once or twice on Showtime or HBO mm-hmm. or, you know, rented a couple times after that. And then not again for 20, 25 years. Yeah. But interestingly, I got to it because I was thinking... um, of Down and Out in Beverly Hills being a good choice. And the connection there was Bette Midler, that's yeah. Richard Dreyfuss and Bette Midler. It's another comedy done right around the same... It's the same year, mm. actually. I just okay. found that out when I was doing research. on the Same year, different Bette Midler movie. And then all of a sudden, like, Ruthless People popped into my head. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, I remember that. And then I kind of, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of looked around a little bit because sometimes it's like but is it really funny or was I just a lot younger then? And so yeah. I just kind of like looked around on Rotten Tomatoes like, this has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is actually a good movie. <laughs> so that's how we got to Ruthless People. I chose it over Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Okay. Maybe we'll do Down and Out in Beverly Hills another time. At some time. other time. At some other date. So I guess the first thing I noticed was the awesome credits sequence at the beginning it's fully animated completely in the like 80s memphis style inspired cartoons with like weird shapes and bright geometric colors and i was reading about that title sequence it was done by an animator named sally crookshanks and she was it was her first major title sequence but she was inspired by the decor the yeah the, the decor in the movie yeah and then wanted to make a credit Which sequence that played talk off of that about yeah, at yeah. length i'm sure uh some of us will <laughs> the cats the cats they're yeah, going to talk are wandering about it. in and out of the room so that that was that was a fun way to start the movie it reminded me a lot of the which I can't remember if I've discussed a lot. One of my favorite cartoons from when I was a kid from Nickelodeon was oh. Rocco's Modern Life. Did it have that look, kind of? Fully Memphis style with the, like... So explain what this looks like to people who don't get anything from Memphis style. Well, so Memphis style is a style that came out of a school in Italy um, that sort of, like, took over in the 80s. So it's, like, geometric shapes and odd sort of natural forms in bright colors and then there's like confetti lines and zigzags and little squigglies and stuff like that and so it's it's loud and it's bright and it's exciting you know like if you are familiar with the art of Keith Haring it sort of pulls on that a little bit also picture like any mid-80s music video yeah, kind of has that. The, MT- the original MTV the logo. MTV logos. Yeah, so it was all over design in the 80s. It was a pretty common thing. You know, and in contrast to the um, sort of return of the very staid and conservative neoclassicism, which is actually at play here. There's a sort of like a, you know, 
an obsession by one of Danny DeVito's character with the sort of neoclassicist look of things. And, and then this sort of like uber modern, bright and exciting. So, I mean, like, okay, so that it feels like talking heads. It feels like punk music. It feels like bright and young fighting against the sort of traditional mores that came out in the eighties as well. So I like what you just said, because (laughs) this is also, I mean, I don't know at what point the Memphis style design worked its way into the, movie yeah but this is a production designer and a director doing their job for them to play out the conflict between the husband and wife in those two <laughs> to the neoclassic <laughs> neoclassical style versus memphis style yeah. you're building it right down to the fiber of their being you yeah know, and everything that you see on the screen well it's it's interesting i feel like the major character they did a really good, the set designer who is ann mccauley i believe um, that I didn't look up. She, she well, it's funny. I was I just looked her up at it, but she like most of the like big movies that I've seen from the eighties. She did War of the Roses. She did Troop Beverly Hills, which I love, um, with a similar sort of like over the top rich style. She did Big Top Pee Wee, which is like one of the seminal films of my youth. Um, she did Purple Rain too, so she did a bunch of and oh, and Kindergarten Cop, which is another okay, one. Okay, Purple of those Rain roles. has also been in long-standing consideration as one of my choices for the podcast that yeah. I still haven't gotten to. <laughs> but before we go too far into design and like the yeah. realization of the movie, we need to give a little something to okay. set the scene about what this movie is about. Boy, so it's I mean, like the title of the movie is what it's about essentially. Some people are better at being ruthless people than other people. You know, the best person at being ruthless is Danny DeVito's character. What is his name? Sam, Sam Stone. Stone. Sam Stone, not Sam Smith. Um, <laughs> um, he's the... Uh, he's the one that, like, everything happens to. So his wife is kidnapped. Um, he's having an affair. Um, <laughs> he uh, wants to kill his wife. You know, but before she gets kidnapped, and he's you know. the spandex miniskirt king. That's right. He's right. the spandex. So he's, he's he's rich on his. Uh, well, and like they they play it like business. he has a lot of publicity, but he only has two million dollars. So he's I guess this is a recent spandex fortune, not a large spandex fortune or something. Well, he married his wife Barbara for her money. Yeah, and and. And, and she's significantly wealthy. Like, she has $15 million. But he million doesn't dollars. have it. It's yeah. all hers. And yeah. now, at last, he feels like he's done his time. He waited 15 years for her father to kick the bucket and leave everything to them. He's still not getting anything. He wants it all for himself. And now it's just like, I can't deal with her anymore. It's time to get rid of Barbara. Yeah. Sounds like he was going to chloroform her and then make it look like she drove off a cliff, is what I think it sounded like he was going to do. He was do. going to... Yes. Well, yeah, I think throw her off a cliff. Yeah. yeah. Was as a fake car accident or something but like that. On the day that he plans this, he comes home with a bottle of chloroform and his wife is not there. It's just the dog Muffy, who he hates for some reason. She's Muffy's who's... another important character in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> just close the door to your office if you don't want him to pee on the rug. But so when we were watching this, Ashley the whole time was outraged that he wouldn't just like give away Muffy the dog instead of like being cruel he, to Muffy the yeah, dog. Yeah, he w- kept wanting like, to kill Muffy, and I was like, "You don't have to kill the dog; you can just give just it to give the it pound, to the pound, or the and, and they'll kill it humanely." Even you know, I mean, like not that that's what you want, but this guy's awful anyway. He doesn't care, but at least stop trying to torture the dog. Just anyway. 
So the day he... The day he plans on killing her, he comes home with a bottle of chloroform and the house is empty. His wife is gone. He gets a call. You know... She's been kidnapped. We have your wife. Give us $500,000 or we're going to kill her. Call the police. We'll kill her. You know, let it, let anyone else know. We'll kill if her. If you alert the media, we'll kill her. Yes. And so Sam is like, yes, I don't have to deal with this. He calls the police. He calls the media. He thinks she's taking Yeah, it literally of. cuts from that scene to the, the cops out <laughs> in front of the house and the media trucks and everything. So he thought he was going to have it taken care of. For him, he was so excited that she got kidnapped, and these people were going to take care of his problem for him. Um. So now his plan has changed to simply being: don't cooperate at all, don't mm-hmm. do anything right, do everything wrong, and they'll just kill her, yeah. and he'll get all the money. <laughs> so it becomes a, a stalling game yeah. of not getting the money together. Yeah, calling not, the police, not showing up to the drops. Yeah. <laughs> calling the police, doing everything wrong, refusing to pay the amount, bargaining with them to lower it, and the ruthless kidnappers yeah. constantly lowering it, lowering it, lowering it, giving him more time, giving more... Yeah. <laughs> so um, now we have to say something about who the kidnappers are. So the kidnappers are a man and his wife, um, Judge Reinhold and Supergirl, you said... Ken and Sandy Kessler, played okay. by Judge Reinhold and Helen Slater from <laughs> the original Supergirl movie. And yeah. she was also in, what was that called? The Ballad of Billie Jean or something yeah. like that. So it's kind of breaking bad here. Like, she apparently was the creator of Spandex Mini Skirts. Um, <laughs> and in some sort of weird business deal, he stole the idea and all the credit for the Spandex Mini Skirt from the and show designer. And wiped out their savings somehow, too. Yeah, I don't. That that wasn't entirely clear, but... Um, We're not supposed to think about it too much. We're just supposed to think, bad man, steal idea. Yeah. Take take riches from good so, people. So they have, they have quote-unquote, a good reason to kidnap someone, to commit a federal crime. Yeah. <laughs> and Judge Reinhold's just the, a, a their, stereo their motives, salesman. They've just been cheated, you yeah. know. He's a stereo salesman. <laughs> She's a waitress. Yeah. She's very meek and mousy and terrified of yeah. the whole situation. And she looks like, uh, like if you if you're looking at her from the corner of your eyes, she looks like Lyndall Hamilton crossed with Alison Brie. It's kind of weird. It's hmm, kind of <laughs> makes you think. No. Yeah, and so they, you know, it's they're not very good kidnappers. They don't keep her knocked out all the time. She's able to escape a couple of times. Um, his wife is Bette Midler, um, and they keep her in the basement. Yeah. Right? And uh, Sandy's left alone with her most of the time yeah. and is just trying to like keep her She's happy with magazines. really upset that their kidnapper, their kidnappy yeah. is not nice to her. Now, <laughs> now, a few words about Barbara, Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. Also not a nice person. Well, she's been kidnapped. <laughs> yes, but she's spoiled and... Do we have any indication that she's spoiled, though, other than what Danny DeVito says? And he's not the most reliable narrator. All Well, like, she's mostly just outraged and irritated that she's been... Um, would, would you not be? Okay, you're going to play this game with me, then. <laughs> but Miller is Doesn't not the bad guy. Doesn't she ask them to get, like, like stupid, like, million-dollar, like, face creams and stuff yeah, like she that? Does. From, well, yeah, well, I mean... So she's, le- she's used to her lifestyle. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. She's you know. Okay. 
I don't find her to be a pleasant person. I guess we're dif- we differ there. <laughs> they kidnapped her. <laughs> yes. I mean, like, so every everything we get, every information that we get about her comes from her her awful husband who hates her and wants to kill her. You know, he thinks her style is awful. She, you know, it's like he hates her. He hates the way she sleeps or something like that. You know, yeah, she's she makes just a noise in her she's sleep. She's just a person. You know, and she and she got kidnapped, and I can't expect her to be pleasant when she's been kidnapped. You know, you know. Maybe Bad Miller <laughs> just rubs me the wrong way. Then <sighs> I think her comedy tends to be a little over the top sometimes. She, to me, not my the favorite. character comes. To, the character has a a change throughout the movie, yeah. right? She, she has a change as she, as she learns that her husband actually doesn't love her and yeah. is not going to pay for her yeah. and is basically fine with her being killed and she's just left to her own devices yeah and then she starts her her self-improvement thing with the workout videos and all of that and but initially she's abrasive and insulting and obnoxious and and all of that okay yes she's just been kidnapped (laughs) Kidnapped. okay but they didn't hire sally field or you know no mary tyler moore or something like that well yeah they i don't know i have We'll get to that. We should finish describing this film before we get into my issues with the... Not with Beth Midler, but with the the character that she's forced to portray. But... <laughs> so, meanwhile in all of this, like, the third thing is that there is Danny DeVito's mistress. Um, yes. Who he's telling her about his plan to murder his wife. So she sends her lover slash lackey to record um, Danny DeVito killing his wife. Um, He thinks he records it, but what he actually records is the chief of police sleeping with a prostitute in his car. Along the cliffside. Along the cliffside, yeah. And (laughs) Bill Pullman is the... Is the dumbest man in the world? Yes, boyfriend. That's a pretty good role for him, I think. It's his first movie role. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> the world was introduced to Bill Pullman. I wasn't sure if he was going to be a tough guy, and then he ended up just being a stupid guy. So he's just dumb. Yeah, he's just there to. That's what be he dumb. does. Yeah. <laughs> so she um, wants to. The reason she wanted to record this is she wanted to essentially blackmail. Danny DeVito for money. So she doesn't really have a problem with him murdering his wife. She doesn't want to watch the video though, which is like leads to a whole set of sort of dramatic irony sort of things because nobody really knows what's on the video. She thinks that she has a video of Danny DeVito killing his wife, but what she actually has is this sex tape from the chief of police. Police commissioner sex tape. Yeah. (laughs) So when she sends it to the chief of police and ask him to arrest Danny DeVito. He thinks it's blackmail against him. Yeah. (laughs) Which means he will have to plant evidence and and (laughs) do whatever he can to (laughs) clear his name and avoid the blackmail. It's just crazy. (laughs) It's one complication after another, one coincidence after another. Yeah. Until you have all the dominoes sort of falling at the end. Yeah. And it comes together sort of. You know, yeah. There, there's a kind of Deus Ex rant, serial killer at the end that kind of. Uh... <laughs> yes, there's a strange serial killer who's only there in the movie to be able to be the Deus Ex Machina at yeah. the end. It, but I think it works fine. <laughs> yeah, it's and, fine. And it's uh, J. E. Freeman who just is fun and has an evil-looking face. Yeah. 
There were several things that I think they could have done to make it more clever, like make the police in on on the fact that she's still alive. You know, that could have made it. So the, I don't know. And one 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 thing that I would have changed is I would have had a scene where um, Danny DeVito goes to get the suitcase that he's supposed which is supposed to be a black American tourister. I would have had him get like a red one or something like that, just like just to make it clear. It's like a little thing, just to make it clear. I mean, like, I guess you wouldn't even have to show him getting one, but you could show the suitcase in where it's obviously not black. I think that that would have been a, a funny joke to do, you know, but I don't, actually don't know if American touristers come in other colors. I would assume they do, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like a lot of the weird little touches this yeah. movie does with character and such. Yeah. So the kidnappers are not ruthless people. No, right? they aren't. And they, you have this shtick where they they need to be tougher because yeah. they're getting stepped on. They're the little yeah. people who, who always get the raw end of the deal and all that. So you have that great sign where he's saying, like, we have to be ruthless. And he, while he's saying that, he's, like, delicately, lovingly picking up the spider on the floor yeah, with Daddy the newspaper yeah. and walking it out to outside and laying it on the ground while saying, like, we're going to be more ruthless from yeah. now on. <laughs> and you're like, okay, ha-ha. He just, like... He just, during that whole scene, yeah. walked this daddy long legs carefully out to the Outdoors. way to beat. The door opens <laughs> again. He comes out and steps on the spot. Yeah. I, I like that scene. It's, it's good a stuff. good scene. Yeah. <laughs> they also do some really great things with, um, he had, Judge Reinhold gets these great character scenes where as a stereo salesman. Yeah. He's got I two, learned a lot about the stereo business by watching this. <laughs> Wasn't that fascinating? Yeah, it was. So it there's was really two extended scenes where he's selling people. He has st- st- stereos, right? Yeah. And they they say different things about him as a character. Right? You have the you have the first set is the is the the woman with the sort of bro know it all. Yeah, the guy in the Ferrari. Yeah. overalls. Who like knows everything is there to make sure she doesn't get ripped off, and he's an expert, and he has the best speakers and all that. And Judge Reinhold basically, like, makes that guy look like an idiot. and Yeah. <laughs> well, the interesting thing about... Is, like, I didn't realize that. But, like, nowadays, if you want to buy a stereo, you go into Best Buy or you go onto Amazon. And there's a price there. Like, it's however much, you know. No, buying... Uh, it's just like buying a used car or something well, like was. that. Have you not... Like... You never had to do that because I remember that this is like those stores, like the good guys yeah. and Circuit City was, came out of this too, but, um, well, okay. there's a big stereo TV chain yeah. called the good guys mm-hmm. and it's like buying a car when you yeah. wanted to buy like a stereo or something like that. They would, th- you always knew you could, c- I mean, that's weird. They would tell you the price. I would have hated that. Yeah. So no, when I, so I didn't have a real stereo at all. Like, I had a boombox with a three CD changer that my parents bought me, and that was the only thing I had as far as audio equipment. I had iPods, and then my my ex-husband, he was at my parents' house and noticed my dad's stereo system that they weren't using anymore, and he was like, 
oh, this is a really good system. Why don't we take it since your parents aren't using it? We asked my dad and he said we could take it. So we still have those speakers downstairs. So I'm sure my dad had that experience when he bought that stereo system. We had to we had to update with a new old uh, receiver recently, but I just well, the we just went thing, into the it, used stereo store and like paid whatever they, they asked. They come in and they know? start talking to you and they size you up to see what they can do yeah. and how they can do it. <laughs> So that one, he just seems to get like a sick pleasure out of diffusing the masculinity and obnoxiousness yeah. of the male. And, you know, that was pretty good. Who's, yeah. And by saying that everything he's looking for is totally wrong and those are in, <laughs> in, and the bigger speaker is not the better one. And, and there's, of course, the jokes about bigger equipment. Yeah. And like, well, it's funny, like doing research on my dad's speakers downstairs, like I can see like the decisions that he made because they're like quality speakers, they're advents at like, so they were probably the best quality speakers that you could buy at a certain price point. So like my dad obviously did a lot of research and knew what he was doing, you know, but it's not like they're the top of the line sort of things because he would have been a college student when he bought those, you know, so, (laughs) or or just out of college. So it's, it, it was really interesting. There was another scene where he's talking to a young guy who's by himself. And yeah, basically, you know, pr- pretty much a teenager, basically. Yeah, and he tries to talk him up to the big stereo. The biggest, coolest, And he was like, you don't, it doesn't speakers. even matter if you can afford it. You can finance it, you know, all of this stuff. And then his wife or, or girlfriend walks up and she's obviously very pregnant and then he was like he 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 couldn't go through with no, selling him the, the performance just yeah. fades away and he's like but really i've got something better for you in the other room that's yeah. much more for your needs yeah the big one is and it won't break one. the bank yeah yeah and it won't break the bank so they're always kind of trying to show the humanity of of those characters of the kidnappers yeah nice people gone bad or whatever, right? Doing the wrong thing for the right reason or whatever you want to say. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm not... But yet, Bette Midler is bullying them. Particularly that poor woman. She was (laughs) kidnapped. Yes, but she's never scared for her life or anything like that. She's just bullying that woman. Well, I mean, I think it's fairly clear that she can't escape, but they are inept. And like, I, I don't know. I don't know. To me... What did is she supposed to instantly become like Stockholm syndrome, like best friends and marry the beast and all of that kind of thing? Like, I don't know. I think that that I mean, if she was really afraid for her life, she probably wouldn't have been sarcastic. But like every interaction she's had with them, like the gun that she thought was a gun was actually a lighter. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have some, I mean, like, I know that they were sort of playing into Beth, Beth Midler's, like, you, personality as personality a in most movies. Yeah, yeah, she's is, over she's the top. She's just as obnoxious and over the top as yeah. Danny DeVito is. Yeah. And so the two of them together, you understand it's not... Well, but I think it's better when they're playing off of each other. Yeah, have, which we don't get to see no. enough of it because she's kidnapped the whole time. Is she in that? Oh, no, never mind. That's Meryl Streep and Shelley Duvall. Um, or Shelley Long. Um... I was trying to think, I was thinking of Death Becomes Her, but she's not in Whatever you want to call it, they're getting her defense system. Yeah. Like, for most of the movie, until that point where she tries on the gown that Sandy's designed, right? Yeah. The designer gown, and she loves it. Yeah. It's probably awful, I can't remember what it is. Some 80s thing. 
Yeah, it's 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 pretty over the top. Yeah. Whoever did the costume design had a lot of fun. Nice job doing, doing very... a knockoff Versace or whatever yeah. it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think it was even that. They, it's I think just some that, crazy, crazy, crazy 80s yeah. concoction. So, I mean, like, so our first, you know, experience with the Bette Midler character, it's not actually not with her, but... It's her husband describing how awful she is. And he hates everything about her and he hates her dog and he hates her furniture. And um, so I was like, what kind of furniture is it? But <laughs> And then you saw. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you get this. I don't know. I, I mean, except for the, like, when, when you first see her, she's wearing this sort of, I don't know. I don't know how to describe her costume, really. It's a kind of drapey... I don't know. I just... I appreciated her style. She had a lot of interest and style. And, and you could see... And the headbands and I, I didn't understand the headband. I don't like headbands. Okay. But, I mean, except I'm wearing one. But not a big She's not poofy bow. wearing a big Bad Midler <laughs> It's headband. like a Bridget Bardot type headband. Anyway... <laughs> But, like, I, I don't know. And I object in a lot of ways to the way that women are portrayed in 80s media in general. There's <laughs> not much we can do about it. No, there's... I mean, but, like, we had the same problem with Civil Shepherd in the um, moonlighting that we saw. But, mm-hmm. like, there's all this, like, women are expected to be this and to be that. And, like, like they portray Bette Midler as this huge, fat, disgusting woman, and she's like... She never looks huge, fat, yeah, or disgusting. Yeah, though. well, that's that's the, like, that's All the they do is they dress her in drapier clothes so yeah. that she can have what looks to be a, yeah. a dramatic transformation during yeah. the course of the movie. Well, and they have her, like, put... I'm pretty sure she had, like, padding on at oh, some I'm point, sure she you did, know? Because her figure is actually So, I mean, good. like, that, to me, it's unfortunate that her like change in her is not becoming a nicer person because she had experience. It's like her becoming a nicer person because she lost weight. And like, I hate that. And like, the thing is, is like, so like in the movie, they actually show the scale. So they're like, you lost 20 pounds, which like, why did that even need to be a plot point? But then they show her standing on the scale and she's 120 pounds. So like, Bette Miller's probably as tall as me. So like a healthy BMI you could be 140 pounds and be a healthy BMI for a 5'4 woman. I don't understand why she's like this horrible, terrible beast that has to be worked out and, and trained and only eat fruit salad. I don't know. I don't, I don't like that part of it. Um, and it's like this, it's like her only storyline until, until we get to but the she revenge. she does become a nicer line. person. I don't think she, she becomes a nicer person because of the weight loss. Well, that's what causes her to connect with, the, the they wife. connect over the clothes, and yeah. then they form a connection. Yeah. So, uh, well, and then during <laughs> in there somewhere, they she realizes that her husband screwed over these yeah. two too, and they become natural uh, partners. To me, that could have happened. That out. could have happened a lot earlier. Yeah. You know, I think without the stupid weight loss subplot. You know, why is that a plot? This is an 80s comedy by Zucker's yeah, Abrams. Zucker. I guess so. Well, they they had to have, um, you know, a montage, a training montage, because it's an they 80s film. They basically had a training montage. Yeah, where she's lifting paint cans or, or whatever, you know. Using whatever's in that room. <laughs> 
Well, the thing is, she's pretty strong to begin with. Like, she gave Judge Reinhold a run for his money on several occasions, you know? Well, remember, actually, the first time we see her, she's in the bag, like, rolling them down the stairs and, Mm -hmm. like, kicking and beating on them. Yeah. She's pretty strong. She's a strong lady. Yeah. So, I mean, I I object a little bit to that. Um, And I think that some of the comedy lines that they wrote her were a little... Well, like the the prison thing, that was kind of horrible. That's in every 80s movie I or know, television show. I know. So you're critiquing the humor of the 80s, basically. <sighs> well, <laughs> it, it feels like the dark ages now, you know? Yeah. Um, although the 90s is. Maybe I should stay like away from too. showing you 80s movies, I guess. Well, no. I mean, 90s movies were like that too. It was just like, you know. Now we have gay people, but we also have inappropriate jokes about prison, too. You know, it's it, it wasn't a lot better. It was a little better. That's that's how decades work. We get a little better, hopefully. That's how decades work. <laughs> Until we get a lot worse. Like now. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I don't know. It's always like half the world that is... But, like, if the part of the world that is making media that people are digesting... Uh, is more conscious of these sorts of things and what is not a good thing to joke about, then eventually, like, there won't be as many people saying those things because there's not media to, you know, continue well, you to... you don't hear as much of these things now. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> so every once in a while, yeah, when you go back and see something from 30 years ago or so, you get these lines and yeah. like, I can't believe they just said that. But, I mean, like, I think that... that there's something about Bette Midler's over-the-top style that is a little... That not everybody responds well to. You know, and that's just how she always... It, I mean, like, not everyone loves Joan Rivers. You know. <laughs> the I face you just stand, made. I can't stand Joan oh, Rivers. Oh, but, oh my God, that documentary that I haven't about seen her the was amazing. Yeah. Therefore, I can't stand yeah. Joan Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> Joan well, Rivers is that snarling woman who was, like, critiquing everybody's dresses on the yeah. runway. Well, and yeah, she said that's some all I know. truly awful things. And her terrible stand-up. Yeah, and her stand-up is kind of truly awful. But in the meantime... So that's all I know. Yeah. So yeah. I would like her better if I saw the documentary about her. Okay. Yeah. So, I but mean, I don't like her in the meantime. I mean, like, my main experience with Ben Miller is from, like, Hocus Pocus. So I probably saw Beaches with my mom, like, a million years ago. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I... So I'm going to tell you something interesting. Yeah. The studio wanted Madonna for this part. Oh, I could see that. She was bigger. Yeah. She had just done uh, uh, Desperately Seeking Susan. Yeah, which is like nowhere, the same role. Because she was, she was just up and coming then. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a similar type of character. Mm-hmm. Um, or, um... And by that point, I mean, she was already, like, in the span of a year or something, yeah. like, became gold. And she asked for a million dollars to do this movie. <laughs> I don't think she really wanted to do it, to yeah. be honest. This is just, I don't know if, I can't yeah. corroborate this. I saw this in one behind well, the scenes. Well, she's probably involved with Sean Penn at the time. And they did, Bette Midler, <laughs> of course, was much cheaper. Yeah. And I actually think, she, I don't, I can't see Madonna in this role. No, I don't. It would be a very different film. I like her in Desperately Seeking Susan, but I can't, but, but I don't know. Bette Midler is this character. Well, I think that it fits better. I mean, like the yeah, I think you would have to write the script differently. Well, they're going like, to make them younger. Yeah, I, think. She, I don't know how yeah. early Danny DeVito was attached to it. Yeah. Too. 
So Madonna's, you know, 14 years younger or something. Well, I, I mean, know. like, cause, yeah, there's that whole story at the beginning where he, like, stuck around while her father was alive for 15 years or something like that. So they would have to be in their, like, mid-40s yeah. or something like that, probably. You know, early to mid-40s. I don't This is probably as young as I've ever seen Danny DeVito. So let me tell I, you something. Yeah. When I thought of this movie, and then all of a sudden, I just had this... And then when I was watching it last night or whenever we watched it, I was like, oh my God, Danny DeVito used to be a big star. And yeah. I totally forgot about it. He was in a it. lot of stuff. Yeah. I totally forgot about it. Like, he was in I Roger mean, and Rabbit. I was aware of him from like my earliest days. Yeah. I remember because at first he was, you know, he was one of the main characters on uh, Taxi, the TV show yeah. for, I don't know, seven years or something like that. So the end of the 70s into the early 80s. And then I think things changed when he did Romancing the Stone mm. in 84. Um, he's oh, one of the yeah. bad guys in that. I love that movie. And that, So he did Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile the year after, gangster comedy that's eh, not very good called Wise Guys. And then I think this was the movie that where he blew up. Okay. This movie was a huge success. It won, so it, Danny DeVito always existed in my world. He was oh, in no. so many movies. Like yeah, when I but was... so I was looking at his credits because I wanted to see what happened, how and when. Because I was like, he was really big, wasn't he, for a while? Like, he was a star, like, he was a leading... So he did Ruthless People in 86, and then Tin Men, Throw Mama from the Train, mm. uh, Twins, War yeah. of the Roses, Batman Returns. Like, yeah. he had this huge run of... Oh, like, yeah, I forgot it... he was the Penguin. Yeah, he was the Penguin. Yeah. But I think this was the turning point. He was my favorite villain tell. for a very long time. This movie, yeah. like, was huge for his who, career, I who, think. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit? This made $71.6 million at the box oh. office, much more than it was made for, and it was a huge hit and everything at the time. Like, I don't remember loving it, but I laughed a lot, and it I was I think there was, so, I mean, like, to me, like, the plot line of, of like, her, of his mistress double-crossing him, I thought that was genius. Like, that was so good. I wish they had finish that storyline better than they did. They kind of just had that, like, fall off. But it's, I really liked his mistress as a character. She's great. She yeah. was um, Anita Morris. Mm-hmm. The character's name is Carol. I don't recognize her from anything. I, she was familiar to me, but I, I didn't look her up, so I can't remember what else I, I would have seen She had from. this, like, southern accent going on sometimes, and it was... It was it was really good. Like I really was interested in her character, and she just kind of like disappeared towards the end. I don't know? know what your feelings are about Danny DeVito, but he is so fun to watch yeah. being evil. Yeah, I mean, he is. being like <laughs> one of the re- reviews I said that like he's gleefully bad or yeah. something like that, and he truly like. So you're not rooting for him, but you're rooting for him to cause as much chaos as possible. And yeah. he's just electrifying to watch be so slimy and awful yeah. <laughs> that there's no movie. Like you want, you need the complications that come out of him being as much of an yeah. awful toad as he is. Well, and I think they, I was, I, I enjoy a very satisfying revenge plot. And I, this had just such the good, like the best this revenge This is like plot. the comedy version of like, The Cook, The Thief, His yeah, Wife. Yeah, like lover. take the thing that he loves the most, his yeah. money that he made himself, and take it all from him and and that not only does he not get her money let's yeah. take let's leave <laughs> let's, him penniless. penniless like let's take yeah. away everything so that was that was rather enjoyable i i do wish there had been more scenes with with both danny devito and because i think that that energy would have been i might have been too much but 
you know, I... Oh, they basically only got one scene together on the pier yeah. at the end of the movie. Yeah. So I, I could have wished for a, a little bit more, you know. The rest is just hearing them, like, you know, their reactions to each other, their yeah. complaints and about <laughs> the other person. But, you know, what's interesting is, like, he acts like he hates her and they've had this awful marriage of strife where he's been, like, going through mm. the motions forever and everything about her irritates him. But she seems genuinely surprised that he doesn't pay the ransom. Yeah. Yeah. And she's... I mean, I don't think she's just being brash and, like, standoffish when she's like, my husband loves me and he's going to yeah. pay every... Like, she's... I think she has... I don't think she knows. Yeah. I mean... I think that, well, I mean, probably definitely in this case, I mean, like everybody's relationship is different, but I think that some people have very like separate relationships and they only come together at certain, you know, at the end of the day or, you know, in the morning, you know, and so like they may have lived entirely separate lives, you know, and, and so she may not have been aware of, of his, of how awful he was, you know. He's pretty good at hiding his... Moves. I mean, we don't know much about her life, but yeah. you just kind of... They're just telegraphing, oh, she probably has her lunches and spa routines yeah. and, you know... Society clubs, galas. Society and, clubs yeah. and shopping. Well, I just... Like, it's funny from the... This is sort of related to to the style ads, but I, I was looking for some articles on the set design for the movie and like one of the articles that I found talks about like how they're like a nouveau riche family and like everything that they have is like fake and you know and separate um I don't know where I was going with that but <laughs> it's just an observation I yeah guess. yeah <laughs> but I mean like to me I just she seems like she had like so much style and personality I mean, and, and like maybe too much personality, but but whereas he is just like, he's like just so typical. Like I'm only obsessed with my business and my and my money and, and my, my mistress. mistress. Yeah. That's all. I mean, like it's so like boring and cliche. And he's got like this office that's decorated with ducks, you know, and well, they're and Persian carpets and you know. It's funny you notice yeah. the ducks right away. You're like he <laughs> likes ducks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> He wears ties. He's 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 real concerned with his silk uh, tuxedo. Like, who wears a tuxedo anymore, anyway? But um, I don't know. To me, like from the way she dresses to how she acts, she's just so much more interesting than than him and his. I mean, like the but only thing the interesting is the character written on the page, or did she just they just nailed the right costume designer for her? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, like so. So that's where I disagreed with this. This article was about, like, how every, like, every piece, none of the piece, the furniture was obviously inspired by the Memphis style, but none of it is, like, an authentic Memphis piece. And, like, as they say in the article, that's probably because the studio can't afford to buy these, like, thousand dollar, multi-thousand dollar pieces. You're reading too much into it when you say they're knockoff Memphis style. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think, but, like, they, they were interpreting it as, well... You know, she likes the style, but, but like, she's, she has $15 million. She could definitely afford Memphis pieces. So it's just like a... <laughs> I think that's just a production design reality. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, like, I... 
you know, not everybody enjoys that style. And, and like, I totally get that. But not everyone enjoys modern architecture. Not everyone, you know. <laughs> but I mean, like, to me, just it just shows her uniqueness and her appreciation for the world. And like that she's able to appreciate these people that were wronged by her husband and that, you know, obviously were contributing to, you know, to the world in, in the form of spandex miniskirts, I guess. <laughs> and they helped build their wealth. Her husband's wealth. I, you know, I, I would guess that $2 million is about all you can make off of spandex miniskirts. I don't know. They make it sound like it's such a big deal in this movie. <laughs> they, they, they show, like, uh, newspaper clippings of, about the spandex yeah. miniskirt king. Like, you would get, like, Time Magazine articles about this. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, how much could one possibly cost, like... I don't know. <laughs> Spandex was not an expensive material ever, I don't think. But I think it was everywhere for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, but you can only make so much off of, like, making sure that Debbie Gibson has her neon miniskirts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's interesting, like, how the, how the design choices, um... Like, the mistress has a very, um, it's, it's a modern 80s apartment, but it's not, like, his is so, like, conservative. His office is, like, so conservative neoclassical. Businessman office. And then she's got this sort of, like, contemporary, casual, sort of 80s modern look about her place with, like, the twigs and the, you know. And I didn't the, notice any of yeah, this. Yeah, so, I, I mean, like, to me, it was, it was interesting they stuck out. But I mean, I, I liked her space and that house that she's, which is like a real house in LA, um, is incredible. They've actually gotten rid of the cool entryway on it, but, um, it's, a, it has that spiral staircase. It's amazing. Um, so, I mean, like it's, it's not for everyone, but I, I, I think she has like a flair and an originality that, that makes her special, you know, but, you know. That's what. <laughs> she is special. Yeah. <laughs> and we're happy to see her uh, get her come up and or him get his come up and Yeah. Well, that's and that's, her revenge. that's really so satisfying. I enjoy a good re- revenge thing, you know, so I enjoy a good force with with lots of moving parts that yeah. are all connected to each other. Yeah. But, you know, complications upon complications <laughs> upon misunderstandings upon you know, with disaster always around the corner. Yeah. And then everything falls, threatens to fall like a house of cards. And then somehow it all comes together. It's yeah. Good. It, I enjoyed the plotting of the movie. Yeah. I enjoyed each, you know, I just certain developments were bring you pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. There's, you know, like a few elements that, I, I guess they're, you would call them like guilty pleasure elements, but I absolutely love a good uh, love triangle. I just, I'm way into that. And then any sort of like revenge thing, you know, so if you can like combine that into like, you know, love triangle with revenge plot with, you know, with dramatic irony and it's like Dangerous perfect. liaisons or, you know, one of those kinds yeah. of things. <laughs> A little cruel, bit of the audience intentions. audience knowing something that uh, the people in the show don't, you yeah. know. That's good stuff. 
Danny DeVito, man. One of my favorite moments is um, when he's in his office and the police are out there. And I guess they could, I don't know if they get a phone call or they need to talk to him again. Mm. But he has to pretend he's crying. So they, they, they just dwell on his little routine to yeah. like tear up. He's sitting there in his office. He takes out a bar of soap, like dabs it in both eyes. And then he gets eye drops and dribbles it down. And then he sits there and kind of like does a like method acting thing for a yeah. moment and kind of <laughs> <laughs> and lets it kind of start to flow. And his lips are quivering and everything. And he's about ready to go out there. And then he has to kind of give a little break the fourth wall kind of look at the camera. Yeah. You know, <laughs> smiling. It's good stuff. I, I had forgotten how good. Danny DeVito can be. He really is. He um, he has this energy that, um, I mean, some, yeah. He has a manic energy. Yeah, he does. He's a force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> so I'm, I did Bette Midler, and did they ever do anything else together? Because now I feel like we missed out on scenes of the two of them. I swear I've seen them in something together. Are they? They're not in Manhattan Murder Mystery together at all. Are no, they? that's a Woody Allen movie. Yeah. So that, I looked at Bette Miller's credits too because I was trying to figure out where this fell in her career. And so you know, The Rose was way back in 1979, but that was her first major role, I think. I've seen her in Gypsy. And then this was the same year as Down and Out in Beverly Hills, and those yeah. two together were huge for her yeah. in her movie career. And so then came Outrageous Fortune. Okay. Which I think was her and Shelley Long. Okay. I know I've seen it. I, I knew she was really in something with Shelley Long, well. but it's not Death Becomes And her. Big Business. I didn't see that one. And then Beaches. Yeah, kind I've of seen all in Beaches a row. years ago. My um, mom loved Beaches, so. I but think. I think this was also kind of a turning point for her, just as it was, just because the yeah. movie was so successful. It was a great script. They got to really like show their energy and their personality. Yeah. The brashness <laughs> that we were talking about. She was the redhead. Yes. In- into each generation, a redhead is born. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who is this generation's redhead? Um, it's Emma this... Stone. Oh, is yeah. this a thing? Yeah, Amy Adams was before her. I didn't know this was a thing. Into each generation. Into each generation. Or... Just, I, I was going to call you on it, and you actually named the, the current... Uh, I'm, I, I don't know what it is. I, I appreciate... Red-haired actresses, I guess. <laughs> you do. It's like, uh, what's well, her remember, name? Rita, Rita Hayworth and um, Lucille Ball. But also dyed red, like Claire Danes in My So-Called yeah. Life, who was yeah. your spirit animal or That's whatever. That's right. <laughs> Channeling Angela. I don't know. There's, there's always, you know, there's the dichotomy of, like, the blonde woman and the brunette. Or sometimes, like, everyone in a movie is blonde. But... I appreciate like the third option. There's there's a red-haired woman hey guys, as well. There's a third option. <laughs> there's here. a red-haired woman as well. And you know they they get typecast as, you know, fiery or whatever. Although Oh, like Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> They're supposed to be spirited and and yeah. all of that stuff, you know. So Watch yeah. out for the redheads. Well, it's like, you know, there's Betty and Veronica and then there's yeah. Cherry. Ch- yeah. Whatever. Cherry Blossom. Cherry Blossom. Cheryl. Cheryl Blossom. Cheryl Blossom. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that show like twice. Well, no, I- I'm talking about the comic. Which I'm talking about for. Riverdale, the show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she's really a femme fatale in the comic book. Uh, 
is she? Is yeah, she, she is. She's I know the one that's the sort of like keeping, you know, you know, catching Archie's eye. Rita Hayworth was she ever? She was. She was redhead. She's but redhead. we saw her in black and white most of the time. Yeah, but you know. But they talked about. They how talked she about was, how she was They talked redhead. about how, how she was <laughs> That's how you knew that they were redheads back then. She's also a Latina, which I didn't oh, know yeah. for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's not her real name. Their name. That's yeah. not her real name. Yeah. So that's cool. Anyway, so so I I always appreciate uh you know red haired actresses you know because they are allowed to escape the sort of feminine roles that people are assigned you know generally speaking you know they're allowed to be that third option so. <laughs> all right. So all in all, feminine roles in this movie. Not so good. Not so good. It's a good thing we've moved on. Boy, um, Judge Reinhold's Supergirl just barely had anything, you know. Yeah, that was painful in a different yeah. way. I, I think the best role was the mistress, you know. Like, I think her that was probably the best role. You know, she had more agency. She was. She has agency. She's yeah. strong. She's, yeah. she's pulling the strings yeah. to like a great deal of what's going on in the yeah. movie. She just shouldn't have put any stock in Bill Pullman. No, uh, to, don't don't make him do anything. <laughs> he may have been a a, a nice uh, boy toy or whatever, but just so uh, I mean, I don't understand. Does she not ha- know how to operate a camera? Was the problem, or <laughs> why she couldn't have done it, and then none of that ever would have happened? I guess I don't know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> she didn't want to stand sit in a car by the roadside doing that. Yeah, I guess. Why so. do that when you have a boyfriend? Yes. Well, I like the part where, like, she's hiding from Danny DeVito because she's sure that he's on to her. Um, oh, that's funny because yeah. she sends the sex tape to him thinking she's sending a, a video a video anonymously of, of him carrying out the murder, yeah. not knowing he's not even in that tape. Yeah. And he sees it as a weird random sex tape. Yeah. And he is thanking her for, for thinks it's a birthday present. Yeah, or something. And, <laughs> and he tells her he's going to do the same thing to her. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about sex. She's talking about murder. Yeah. I'm laughing. Yeah, That's it was pretty stuff. good. That was that was a pretty good scene. So, like, she has to leave her, like, comfy, like, kept woman digs and move to um, uh, Bill Pullman's sort of, like, trailer house. <laughs> and let me tell you, Bill Pullman, first movie, him reacting to the telephoto thinking that a murder is happening yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> He's, like, nauseous and he can't look and he's, yeah. like... He goes and hides in the looking bathroom. Through, <laughs> looking through his hands. And, like, turns on the hairdryer so he doesn't have to hear it. <laughs> well, what was particularly funny is his description of it. He was like, it was horrible. He was killing her. Um, and he seemed to really enjoy it. <laughs> and it lasted two minutes, was what he said. It was pretty funny. Yeah, he said it lasted two minutes. <laughs> and he seemed to take genuine pleasure of it. He lit a cigarette, almost as if he was going to light a cigarette afterwards. Yes, we get it. It was pretty good. So, yeah, some of the innuendo stuff was right. amusing. <laughs> so some of what we're trying to do here is um, is fill in the gaps, right? Yeah. You've never seen this. Yeah. you got to see it. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe. I, I was like, do we really have to summarize this film? It's a little difficult. I mean, it's really plot No, you don't heavy. summarize all of the There's plot. There's a lot you of stuff happening. To, you just have to give, he's trying to <laughs> yeah. kill his wife, but she's kidnapped. And yeah. It's the, per, you know, yeah, that's like we the, did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, like like I said, I think there are a few flaws in the script, like how the mistress's storyline just sort of peters out in an awkward way. Um, although I did enjoy the scene where Bill Pullman 
um, tries to take the the suitcase full of cash from Judge Reinhold. And um, the police While are... While 100 cops are around the Yeah, the, the police plaza. are, like, up on a building with, like, snipers and stuff like that. And they've got a bullhorn. And they're, like, telling him to, like, drop the thing. And he's like, who's that? What's talking? It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> There's no police here. What are you talking about? Did you just shoot me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't have a gun. Yeah. It's so that good. was pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? I don't think so. I just, you know, solidarity to my 80s ladies and, and how hard it was to be in the industry back then. And and how, um, like, one-dimensional and obsessed with size everything was, you know. Well, everything is still, but, you know. <laughs> There's got to be a movie that breaks that pattern yeah. from the 80s. We'll have to find that. When did Fried Green Tomatoes come out? Not in the 80s. No, okay. <laughs> anyway, right. I enjoyed it despite its flaws. It was it was an enjoyable film, and I would you know in five years watch it again or something like that. You know, it's not a it's there's enough satisfactory stuff to sort of you know get over the the less pleasant aspects of it. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I wasn't a total waste of time. No, it was it was enjoyable. <laughs> like I said, I, I again those revenge plots and. Um, and uh, dramatic well, irony, mind really satisfying. Yeah, to favor uh, revenge plots whenever yeah. possible. That's right. I'm I'm way into that. All right. Well, I have no further thoughts. Okay. Ever. No more. This thoughts. is the last episode. No, it's not. <laughs> we'll be back in a couple of weeks with Ashley's pick. Yep. I'll pick something. Yeah. Don't say what it is because then we always feel like we have to stick to it. It's true. <laughs> you probably okay. don't know. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you again in a couple weeks with Ashley's pick. Bye. Bye.